turning your Bible with me to the book of Galatians chapter 6. I want to minister to you tonight about your focus. Find out what your focus is worth. Look here in Galatians chapter 6. It says in verse 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Faint not means to cease to believe. He said we're going to reap if we don't cease to believe. Or you could say if we don't lose our focus. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. It's talking about focus, where we don't get distracted, we don't get interrupted, we don't get off track. There's two things that are involved in focus that I find. The first thing is your passion. It's your heart. You've got to have some passion in order to maintain focus. It's believing in what you've seen and heard until your life reflects it. In other words, we're putting it in, putting it in, putting it in through the ear gate. We're looking at it until one day you see the difference. This gospel is not for the casual observer. It's not ever been intended from God's perspective for this thing to be a get born again and then go live your life any way you want to. So passion is a major factor in focus. The other thing that's involved in focus is timing. You have to have patience to wait, and you've got to have boldness in order not to miss it. That you are tenacious with some things and you let them come into your life and you let them deal with you and you deal with them in a timing basis. That you're not there too soon and you're not there too late. When you have passion and you have timing, we call that focus. You could be at the right place at the right time, but without a passion, you wouldn't know what came down the line. Lots of people are that way. They're in church, they love God, they're praying, but without a passion, they're distracted by other things, and the plan of God comes into their life, and they don't see it for what it is, and so it goes by, and they never get the increase from it. Or being too early, where the Lord begins to spill some things into your heart and say, listen, I got some things coming, and we react too soon, and we're there too soon, and we're all excited emotionally, and we play out before the thing comes when he really wanted to develop some things and to play some things out in your life, and so timing is important for focus. All great men, whether secularly or spiritually, the common denominator in their life is they were able to take their life and bring it to a focus in some area. Now, you understand that when you take a magnifying glass, the reason it works, it wasn't that the magnifying glass generates heat, is that you're taking a relatively small amount of heat in a broad area, and you're compressing it and condensing it down into a single small beam, and all of that heat, which would not hurt an ant or anything else, you're able to do that because you're focusing something that's general and broad. That's what great men have done. They've taken common and ordinary circumstances and abilities and focused them until they made a great impact. So nobody ever made a difference through indifference. There's no apathy or lethargy that did any good. So any great thing you're going to have or do is going to be in an area that you're willing to focus. That means, of course, then there's going to be some things in your life that you're going to have to throw off. You can't focus and still do everything. It's painful. There is a lot of pain involved in the sense of focusing because you can't have every friend. You can't go to every place. You can't have every little knick-knack that's on the shelf, no matter how much money you have, because your life will be inane. It will be ordinary if you don't focus in some area. So in the book of Genesis, we see that there was men of great focus and men of great distraction. Noah was a man of focus. 
Obviously, Abraham and Sarah, it took them 25 years. They were greatly distracted by Ishmael's. But then one day, they got up and said, Darling, let's focus on this. Let's get the plan of God, the will of God, and let's focus. And the moment they focused, they had a child. David went through a great time of unfocus. When all the kings were out to war doing what kings did, well, he was at home. He wasn't focused. But he certainly got his attention band jerked back and focused after that, but he had a lot of pain. Obviously, in Mark chapter 5, the woman with the issue of blood, she focused. And Jairus, in the scriptures before her, he was focused. Blind Martimaeus, you know, he couldn't even see. But yet he was able to focus at the right time. He had a timing and he had a passion. You know the story where they told him, sit down, go away. This isn't your time. And he just kept on, kept on. Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus addressed him. The rich young ruler, guess what? He failed to focus. But he was right there in the crosshairs for a few minutes. He had an audience with the Lord Jesus himself. And everything was available. He had every door opened. And he walked away and every door shut. We know that Judas failed to focus. Eleven guys were getting it. Judas wasn't getting it because he had things on his mind and he was out of focus. Obviously, Ananias and Sapphira, who were focused, they were in the group, they were in the program, but one day something distracted them. They got a wrong motive. They failed to focus and it cost them everything. They went out early. Everybody that's kept their passion, that stayed hot, the Lord wants us to stay hot because your greatest opportunity might come at a time when you decided to turn the burner back and reward yourself and take it easy. Well, then the thing you've been waiting for 10 years, here it comes. It's docked up. Your ship has come in and you're off in la-la land, not focused, having a little hiatus, having a little midlife crisis or having a little emotional breakdown. And so we miss it. Many times people miss it. Like, what happened? I was 95% there in my life, but 5% I wasn't. Boom, it came in. And so everybody that focused in the Word of God had success. And everybody that failed to focus without a dispute failed in their life. In Matthew 6.33, the Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. So we know that's a place of focus. We know that money follows ministry. Did you know money follows ministry? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Everything you need will be added to you. You don't have any money, you need money, go minister, because money follows ministry. Get a focus on the ministry instead of on the money. Get a passion for ministry. Get a passion for what's in you, what you have, the seeds you do have to sow, and you'll find that money will come. People that are waiting on money to go minister never do get there, do they? Matthew 25, Jesus told the story there. He said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make you master over much. That law of being faithful over little is more stable than gravity. You can even go up in a jet, certain jets in certain atmospheres, stratosphere and whatever, where they take these big jets up and then they dive. It suspends gravity. Obviously, airplanes and hot air balloons all defy gravity. But seed time and harvest and faithfulness over a little never fail. But you got to know that. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus talked about, come and I will give you rest. And then he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So you got to get a focus on the yoke is easy instead of on the load that's on it. 
You got to concentrate. They say it in the world, is the glass half empty or is the glass half full? What's your perspective? What's your focus? What are you looking at? Why are you looking at it that way? It makes all the difference in the world. In Mark chapter 5, Jesus said to Jairus, he said, focus, son, only believe. Right after they told him, don't trouble the master anymore, they, Jesus turned to him and he said, focus. Hold that thought of what you just said. Only believe. And because he was able to focus, it sustained him and got him through, and he got his daughter back. Amen? So let's figure out what the devil's doing. The devil, if nothing else, is focused. He's focused on being like God. He's focused on putting you under. He's focused on exalting himself. But he's also very focused on breaking your assignment. Now, he's much more focused on breaking most Christians' assignment than most Christians are in keeping their assignment. So it's not that hard. A lot of Christians don't even know they have an assignment, much less trying to stay focused to it. So once you find you have an assignment, you've got to know the devil's going to come and try to break that assignment. Well, how does he do it? One thing he'll do to break your assignment is he'll start putting empty burdens on your life. He'll start putting unimportant cares on you. Have you ever seen anybody watch the weather and just fret about the weather for the next day? Oh, it's going to rain. Well, they said it might storm, you know, 10%. It's something that doesn't matter. And anytime you spend emotional energy, anytime you spend your focus on something that doesn't matter, you are taken out of the game for focusing on the things that are relevant, that are right, and that are profitable to your life, which is your assignment, which is very profitable. One th way that the devil comes to get your focus off is to give you false priorities. He loves to have us major on the minors. That's why that church had that carpet. This bunch sat on the color they voted for, and down the middle was a seam, and this bunch sat on the color that they voted for. But they couldn't come together and get a common carpet. It's the craziest thing. They ought to put a sign on there, Church of the Devil, because that's exactly who was running that operation. Well, they weren't able to focus on the higher thing. They thought a carpet was important. Another thing that the devil does is trying to take you out of the fight of faith. Any fight doesn't go forever. You have to stay in the fight until the fight's over. Then you can rest. So resting before your time is always detrimental. So he tries to get you to give up the fight or take a break, not knowing that, like, if you don't show up to a court hearing to defend yourself, the judge usually just says, well, they didn't show up. They award it to this side over here that did show up. Well, if you don't show up in the fight or if you start the fight and don't finish the fight, the devil wins. People blame God. People blame people. But it's not that at all. But the fact is, is when you're focused, you cannot fail. I'm going to say that again. When you are focused on your assignment... You cannot fail. You are indefeatable. You have never lost when you stayed focused. That's passion and timing. You were there when you were supposed to be there. You were not there when you didn't have to be there. And you were passionate about it. Well, you've got to be passionate. You've got to come in here for an hour and a half, and you've got to engage. And if you do, if you stay focused even in church, God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. He'll give you keys to the kingdom. He'll give you things. If you were going to take a man out, if you had a grudge against a man and you wanted to undermine him, you wanted to put him out, and you wanted to do it subtly, how would you defeat him? How would you defeat a strong-willed man that had a defined goal and that knew what he was supposed to do? Well, what you would do is you would go in and you would try to get that energy and that focus that he had for that goal and that dream and assignment and get him to change it to a lesser or an unprofitable goal and assignment. 
happens all the time. Where we're passionate, we're at the right place at the right time, but we're pursuing the wrong assignment or the wrong goal. So we're majoring on minors, as it were. So the devil does that all the time. So it's so important to find out what we're supposed to focus on and stay focused. Not be weary in well-doing. Don't faint. Amen? And so the devil tries to interrupt timing. He tries to get you to come early. He tries to get you to be there late. He tries to get you off track. That's why during offerings, any offering, you need to listen. You need to pay attention to see what your place is in that offering. But if you're not focused, you could miss something. So we have to focus. Every victory is the result of unbroken focus. So if you want some victories, all you got to do is bear down and get the magnifying glass out and take ordinary events, everyday life, 24 hours in a day, and begin to bring what's ordinary and not important and focus it into a beam that has great power, has great energy, and that'll change your situation and affect people for good, for increase. On the other hand, every failure is always the result of broken focus. When people got distracted... Now, the devil, most of the time, is not going to come with you uh, with something evil, something that you just go, I wouldn't do that. You wouldn't fall for things like the world does. But what he'll do is try to get you doing a good thing, an honorable thing, an admirable thing that's not in your assignment, not your part. All the time, there's people out there that are pursuing the five-fold ministry that God hadn't called. But they see somebody that's ordinary looking and someone that not as educated, not as eloquent, not as learned as they are, and they go, what's up? I can do it better than them. And so they pursue that, not realizing that it really has nothing to do with your desire as much as the gift of God inside of you. But if you pursue that, you will waste your life. It'll never happen. God will not change his mind, will he? A lot of people lose their focus, listen to me, because they give up because they can't see their faith working. Jesus said, uh, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and ye shall have them. Well, there's a time lapse in there many times. And a lot of people quit believing. They lose their focus because it hadn't come. And they just say, this has been long enough. You remember Naaman in 2 Kings chapter 5, how he went to the prophet and said, I'd like to get my leprosy healed. And the Bible says that he expected the prophet to come out and just do something dramatic and the leprosy to fall off. But the prophet sent word and said to go dip in the river seven times. And he complained and he said, these are dirty rivers and I'm not going. But his little troop that was with him, his bearers, came to him and said, oh master, oh Lord, if he had asked you to do something hard, would you not have done it? And he thought about that and he got back his focus. You know, the focus wasn't whether he was in the river or not. The focus was getting leprosy off of you. But he made an issue of the water. He made an issue of going down there and having to humble himself. But his help got him over there and said, Master, this leprosy is killing you. It's eating you up. It's limiting your life. Couldn't you go down there and just dip? And the Bible says he went down and dipped seven times, and he was clean. So many times, God has sent a healing. He has sent provision. He has sent the answer. But we've got broken focus. We've got our mind and our life over on something that is irrelevant. It's important to society. It was important in our youth. It may be important to us in an emotional realm, but it's not important to God. We have to get interested in what God's interested in because he's not much interested in changing his priorities to fit our priorities. 
Our priorities are flawed. His are flawless. Amen? So that's what we have to do. When we talk about getting your life focused, you always have to go to the word mastery. You're always going to have to have that place in your life where when you get willing to focus and bring your life into a narrower and a stronger place, there's going to require mastery. To have mastery in one area means you probably will have to give up completely other areas. There's times in our lives, seasons, where we just walked away from the television. A diet is simply walking away for a season from some kind of food situation where you can focus on something in order to have a desired result. But there's always sacrifice involved in that. When you go to focus, you got to think about yourself setting your life into a mastery mode. And when you do that, you always have to know there's going to be a limitation, there's going to be a restriction, there's going to be some sort of narrowing over here in order to have a focus and mastery over here. Just like if you go to ABI. ABI, God doesn't just say, you know, that's three hours. We're just on Sunday going to add three hours to your day. We're going to 27-hour you on Sunday if you're going to ABI. That way it won't cost anything. No, you got to give up whatever people love to do on Sunday night to go to ABI or go to church. And when you give, it's the same thing. For a short term, you have to shift money into giving in order to receive a result later. But there's a time lapse there. Faith is involved, and it takes focus. The short-term focused person, they say, well, you know, I can't wait for the harvest on this. So they never can tie, they never can give, and they're always left out of the loop of mastery. You've got to always go to saying, what is the purpose of my life? There's no need in being a master in any area if you don't have a purpose or an assignment. If you're just going to be a laid-back, lethargic, quesara Christian, there's no need in being a master of anything. We're just going to go to heaven. We're just going to be here on earth going to heaven. So desiring focus means that you have a goal or a reason for mastery, and you're willing to cut things off. The Bible calls them those weights that so easily beset you. They're not necessarily sin. They're just weights. They're just baggage in your life, clutter that's on you, and you can't run very fast because they're there. But for what most people are doing, it doesn't matter. They can handle it. But when you go to narrow, when you go to focus, when you go to mastery, those things have to come off because we're already usually loaded in our life. So in order to focus over here, something over here has got to go. Not everybody's there. Some people lost their focus and have just faded thinking it was the devil, thinking it was people, thinking it was some circumstance, thinking it was some mean Christian. And so they got offended. They lost their focus through offense and they cut loose thinking they would come back, thinking that it wasn't really them and they were justified. When you lose your focus, it doesn't matter who's at fault, you're gone. So when you focus in any area, say you're going to focus on reading the Word more, putting the Word in, something's got to be changed. Your schedule has to be changed. Your priorities have to be changed. You've got to be uh, like when we were in Texas and raising Colin and Eric. We all knew, we all knew that Debbie, that there was a time there that thou shalt not knock on that woman's door. Because there was a focus there and you better be burning. You better be bleeding or burning in order to go in there. And we all knew it, did we not? We all knew. So there was a focus there, but it paid off handsomely. Because of the prayer, it, we were able to get some places through her prayers. So you've got to live by some deadlines. There's got to be some things where you don't just say, I'll just do it as it comes. You have to set goals where you say, 
I'm going to have this in my life by this time. And you begin to develop a mastery by focusing on that assignment, on that goal, on that race that you want to win. And whatever it takes to get there, you begin to focus on that, which means you take on things to get you there, and you start taking off things that would hold you back or hinder you from going there. Now, we're all in that process, every one of us. Every day when you get up, you set the priorities for that day. Because there's just 24 hours, there's just so much strength, so there's more to do and more required to do than any of us have. So we set our day every morning. It's not like, God, why'd you let this happen? We set our priorities every day. And it takes a mature Christian to set priorities that are Godward. Because we'd all like to just sit around and eat a bonbon and a chocolate shake and watch Andy Griffin all day long. Versus digging a ditch. Okay, let me put it in that light. But these things are self inflicted. We have to say, Lord, out of my heart, I want that. And there's nobody here beating me. There's nobody here threatening me. God's not even saying, if you don't do it, I'm going to do something bad to you. It's totally inside. Conviction of the Holy Ghost that says, I'm going there. I must go there. He's, he's drawing me to go there. And he's going to make a way for me to be able to do that. Focus requires us to look inside to find the purpose for our life. And that's the most important thing I'm going to say to you tonight, is that most Christians don't have a purpose. They're waiting for something to happen at the church or in their family or in their job that causes them to make a decision to change. They look at that and say, well, this would be profitable to change. This would be profitable not to change. What should we do? And they make the change. But when you have a purpose in your life, if you have an assignment and you reckon with that, like Paul said, I've run my race, finished my course. What was that all about? Well, he had an assignment that he had discerned, and the things that he did and the things he endured was because he was focused on things that he didn't always necessarily articulate, but it drove him to do the things he did and to say the things he said. Well, why aren't we like that? Well, it's because we haven't discerned many times our purpose. We're just wandering through life, just taking the best avenue, the most opportune place, day to day. When in fact, that's not always the best for us, is it? If we had a focus, we would just cut through what would be seemingly a hard place in one day, cost us more money and effort one day, but it would have a greater result because at the end of that was our purpose and our assignment and our reason for being on the earth at this time. Focus is addictive. When you get into a mode of discipline and consistency where you buffet yourself, there's a certain reward that comes from the focus that's very satisfying to the Christian. In Lamentations chapter 3, verse 51, Jeremiah said, Mine eye affected mine heart because of all the daughters of my city. He was talking about the distraction to his focus. He said, there's some good-looking girls out there. He said, my eye is looking at all of them. Yeah, buddy. In Matthew 5.30, Jesus said, If thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee. For it is more profitable for one of thine members should perish, and not thy whole body should be cast into hell. Well, we go, well, I'm not going there. But yet we all are in some realm. In any realm where you have something that's distracting or substituting something lesser than what God's called you to, we are being distracted, and it is causing us to be offended. 
our hand, our arm, or he said, if your eye causes you to be offended. So we got to get that where we cut off things. We're willing to go there and say, I'm cutting off everything that keeps me from obeying and fulfilling the call of God in my life. Y'all, we're not going to be here much longer. I'm not talking about the rapture. I'm talking about life goes on. Just the other day, I was 30 years old. Just the other day. How about y'all? I mean, just, it just, this life is just marching. They will have Santa Clauses out in a week or two. Noel and Christmas trees, it is bizarre. Actually, some stores have just got a little curtain in front of them, and they never did put them up. So life is moving. So we can't just sit around and say, well, when it gets better or when I feel like it, you won't feel better in 10 years than you do right now. Now is your time. You won't have more money in 10 years. Well, I'm going to pay off the car. I'll have more. That's not the way the world system works. So now is the time to focus, and there's not a better time than right now. In Joshua 1, 7, and 8, it says, Turn not from the right hand or the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. The book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. So he's talking about focus here. He's talking about getting up every day and motivating yourself, whatever it takes, to focus on that which will move you to the place that God says, that's where my supply is, that's where my anointing is, that's where my grace is. You better be there or you're not going to have any of it. And when we don't, we struggle. And when we don't, we suffer needlessly. Some suffering is for the kingdom of God and the glory of God, but some suffering is just from stupid. And you can't blame God. Lord, I'm suffering for you. No, you're suffering because you're a jerk. Because you're soulish, because you're carnal, because you just refuse to let anybody correct you. You refuse to follow the rules. You refuse to stay in line for any length of time. You just want to buck and, and romp and carry on and do it your way and have my way, and you lose your focus. Nobody can do anything with these Christians. Nobody can put them in their place or teach them anything because they just got to have it their way. Well, I'm right, and I'm not wrong, and you can't tell me what to do. You're not my boss. Well, more than you know. More than you know is the pastor the boss of people. More than we know. Spiritual authority. More than we know parents are the boss of their children. More than we know. So focus, if you'll focus, you'll start drawing miracles out of the hand of God. James says, let a man ask of God who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given to him. But then he talks about losing your focus. He said, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. And let not that man think that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's talking about broken focus. He's not talking about backsliding. He's not talking about not loving God, not wanting to fulfill the purpose and assignment. He's talking about someone that was on track and got distracted by a lesser assignment, a lesser goal that's worthy, but not theirs. We have people all the time, not so much now, but they used to always come in here and they want to either, you know, clothe the poor or give food to the poor or they always had an assignment that was big on their heart and they wanted to come in and change the whole church. And when we just said, you know, that's not what we're doing right now, they just got up and said, well, y'all aren't spiritual, y'all aren't hearing from God, and boom, they're gone. There's people like that everywhere. You got to conform in order to focus. When you put that magnifying glass over the anthill, you got to hold it in the light and you got to hold it for a few minutes. You can't just put the magnifying glass out there and do any good just waving it. It's got to be held steady for a season. And your life, my life, has to be held steady for a season in order to have impact.
We just can't just run around all the time saying, Woo, I'm working for Jesus. No, you're just working. You're making work for other people many times too. Hallelujah. Fixing it and cleaning it up. So miracles come from focus. Focus, the Bible says, has great reward for relatively small cost. In Hebrews chapter 11, it says he's a rewarder of them that work day and night, fast and pray, and give all their money. And no, it says just diligently seek him. He's a rewarder. Just seek him. Gosh, I can seek him going down the road. I can seek him at night. I can seek him. You know, it's not even like you have to draw aside to a monastery and give it up and say bye to your family for a year. Just seek him. He said, I'll reward that. But on the other hand, if you neglect focus, people think wrongly that they can either focus and it's great or they can go to neutral and it's okay. But the word tells us over and over that there's no middle ground, that you're either on or you're off and God doesn't regard the lukewarm in the middle he says you got to be hot or cold, on or off. So you're either focused on something or you're not. The Word says in 1 Timothy 5, 6, talking about apathy and neglect and complacency, says it has a great cost and has little reward. It says, she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. So if you're focused on pleasure, doesn't mean you don't go to church, doesn't mean you don't read God's Word, doesn't mean you don't pray. But all the time, you're trying to get those scriptures in. You're trying to get that praying done, trying to get this work done so that you can go hit the, hit the fun place. Nothing wrong with pleasure. God wants to be our source of pleasure, and he will arrange it and set it. But I tell you, if pleasure is your only motive, you're not focused. 2 Timothy 3, 6 talked about silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lusts, ever learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Christians that can't focus, it's because they don't focus on grace. They don't focus on getting forgiven. They don't focus on getting righteous in their life. You've got to focus on who you are in Christ Jesus. You've got to get up every day and say, bless God, I am the righteousness of God in him, because all of us have missed the mark, and those sins, those missings, those failures try to come in on us and flood us and condemn us. And a condemned day is an unprofitable day. You could focus on your trouble. You could say, oh, the mountain, oh, the mountain, oh, this mountain. It's just all, and people do. They just focus on the mountain. Oh, woe is me. It's, I'm having a hard time. It's trouble. Well, it's true. If we look at it and we say, that is, that looks tough. But we never got rid of these things focusing on these things. You have to focus on the Lord. You've got to focus on the Word, don't we? So we can't be a whiny Christian and have the victory. When you focus, you're going to have to get how can you say this? You don't want to say you want to get rid of people, but no doubt your relationships are the major source of help and hindrance in your life, your spiritual life. The Bible says that bad companions corrupt good morals. We are affected by people more than we'd like to give credit for. Demas, the, Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, he says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Paul cut him off. At one point, Paul cut Mark off and just said, he's worthless. I cut him off. Now, we know that Barnabas came back around with Mark and, you know, got him restored. But Paul said, if they're not helping me with my assignment, they are a distraction to my assignment, and I must fulfill my assignment. Being nice isn't the highest attribute in the kingdom of God. Being in faith is. 
And if people cause you to lose or come out of faith or be ineffective in your faith, you've got to be ruthless. You've got to cut them off. Doesn't mean you have to tell them I'm cutting you off. You don't have to tell them the reason you're cutting them off. You just fade off and lose that relationship. In Philemon verse 21, Paul said, Having confidence in thy obedience, knowing that thou wilt do more than I say. So he talked about Philemon saying, This man helps me with my assignment. So here's who your enemies are. Your enemies are not the meanest people at work. Your enemies are not the sinners at work. Your enemies are anyone that compromises, causes you to compromise your assignment. Your friends are not always the ones that ask you to go boating and let's go riding and let's go to the mountains or whatever. That's not always your friends. Actually, your friends are people that God has sent to help you with your assignment. If they cause you to break your focus, you got to quit that job or pray them out, whichever you're able to do. Nobody likes to. Nobody likes to leave it. It's like, it take me all this time to make these friends. We ought to sow our life as far as we can and the best we can. But if they cause you to be compromised in your life and cause you not to be able to fulfill your assignment, you got to go. In New Testament, it talks about in marriage even. You know, we've had these Old Testament theologies about marriage, especially in some denominations where they say, well, if you're divorced and you remarry, well, then you're an adulterer, and we have nothing to do with you. All these harsh and hard things. But that's not what the Word uh, says at all. It talks about if they're pleased to dwell with you, dwell. But if they're pleased not to dwell with you, if you have an unbelieving husband or unbelieving wife, they don't want to live with you, cut them loose. Let them go. Because you won't fulfill your assignment with someone that's not pleased to dwell with you. And so, same thing with children. You can't sacrifice 18 years for children and just say, I'm going to just be sweet, I'm going to be nice. Sometimes you got to get out and you got to get God's plan for your children and you got to pursue that plan, whatever is required. You can't be your children's buddy every day. You can't just be, you know, we're friends, son, we're friends. Well, you know, you ought to be friendly, but you ought to be a dad, you ought to be a mother, and you ought to raise them so they don't distract you from your assignment. I see so many families, and I'm sure you do, where you can tell until they get them raised and probably for a long time after, their life is on hold. It's taking all their life to raise those kids. Actually, it's taking more than them. It's taking others as well. So we've got to have a hard line. We've got to focus. You can't say, well, I'm raising these kids. My Christian life is on hold. Well, I'm getting a new husband. My life is on hold. I've got a new job, or the job I've got is under dress. I've got to put my Christian life on hold. No, we've got to focus on what's worthy. We've got to keep the main thing the main thing, and everything else will line up. One thing that's very important to focus on in these days is the Lord Jesus. And by default, then His Word. Much pressure on your time. Much pressure on getting alone in this world. Our phones are ringing. The alarms are going off. People are calling, wanting this, that, and the other. You've got to find a plan, a way to focus on the Lord Jesus. There's no way around it. We're not living in a modern age that exempts us from that. It's the old time. You've got to find God wherever he is, however you can. This is an act of faith. Let's focus on him for a few moments. Let's lift our hands and let's enter in. And in our consecration, even the mortifying of our flesh and saying, Lord, it seems so hard, but Lord, I am focusing on you and I know you will get me out of wherever I am. I tell you, relief will come. Father, we worship you tonight. We lift up your name and we exalt you. We give you praise in this place.